You are listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast, an honest and non-judgmental discussion on faith in God and the doubts we often have, why it's sometimes difficult to trust God, and how we can know with a surety that He loves us. This show centers on strengthening and rebuilding our faith after loss, tragedy, or when coming to Christianity from a non-Christian or pseudo-Christian worldview. Now, here is your host, Gene Curl. Hello and welcome back to Recovering Faith Podcast. This is episode 111. And before I get started uh, with this episode, I mention here that I, in the future I should have a, a few exciting guests, but I won't uh, say who, so just in case I don't get them scheduled when I think I will. So, But keep uh, just know that in the future I'm going to have some exciting guests, and so yeah. Uh, today's episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, the Mormon Church and or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. As people ask me, or friends of mine who are still in the church, they ask me, well, you've left the church, why can't you leave it alone? And that is something that almost everybody who leaves the church is asked. And the reason that I there's a lot of reasons that I can't leave the church alone. The biggest reason is that it is not actually Christianity. And because I love those who are in Mormonism, and I want to see everybody that I can follow Jesus and go to heaven. And that is the biggest reason why I can't leave the church alone because the a lot of the doctrine of the church is completely against the Bible. Uh, they a lot of it takes the Bible out of context and then even even then as a official doctrine of the church they teach that the Bible has been corrupted and you can't really trust it. But there is the actual Mormon doctrine the plan of salvation does not lead to actual salvation. And I, because I love the Mormon people, I want them to, and say I want them to be saved, I want them to go to heaven. And so that's a big reason why. Uh, the other reason why that I can't leave the church alone is that I, w- I want to help those that are in it get out of the church and come to true Christianity, and I want to help those who are investigating the church but have not joined to help them to find Christian alternatives, to find something where uh, that Bible-believing church instead. And a lot of, basically when a lot of people who are active in the church, and I used to do this too, whenever somebody left the church, it's automatically assumed that they left the church because they were offended by somebody or that uh, someone in the church didn't treat them right, and they say, well, the church is perfect, but the people aren't, which is uh, comes from a verse in the Doctrine and Covenants where God supposedly said that this is uh, the only true and living church, uh, and he says that it's, that it's perfect, but that the people aren't. And so they use that a lot and say that, well, the church is perfect, but that the 
people aren't. But the thing is, from the Bible, if you're paying attention to the Bible, the church isn't a building. The church is the people. And there are all kinds of serious character flaws with a lot of the founding leaders of the church. And if you ever pay attention in the Bible, it doesn't hide the character flaws of the people in the Bible. And we're not supposed to look up to the people in the Bible and to be like them. The whole Bible is supposed to lead us to Jesus. But with the leaders of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, especially Joseph Smith, they try to hide any character defects he had and make it so that he was basically a perfect person and that he didn't do anything wrong. And we are supposed to look up to him and to emulate him and to try to be like him instead of pointing people to Jesus, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is telling people that they need to follow the prophets. When it shouldn't be follow the prophets, it should be follow Jesus. And when I was, when I was actually in the church, I was always afraid to read anything that might cause me to doubt, because I was always told that that was a that was a big sin. But that's the kind of things that people will do when they don't want you to know the truth. If I were to build a chair and I made the claim that this chair could hold a 500-pound person, I would not at all be afraid of having a 300-pound person sit in it. But if I were to say, build a chair and say it would hold a 500-pound person, and then there'd be like a 200-pound person like trying to convince them not to sit in it, they just had to trust it, well, that wouldn't really show much faith in my product. And, well, that's the way it is with when they know there's a problem, they don't want you to look, they don't want you to see what's actually going on. And they even tell you not to even if it's from actual church sources, that you shouldn't really investigate beyond what you're taught in Sunday school. And it's highly annoying to me now, but when I was act when I was starting to have doubts and was started to investigate things, a lot of the questions that I asked, I was told that I couldn't ask those questions, and I was told that uh, I would be excommunicated for asking those questions. Now, uh, sometime after I left the church, they published what they call the church essay series and answers, or somewhat answers, to all of the questions that I was told I couldn't ask are now on the church's website. And some people say, well, the church never actually hid those things, and they never discouraged people from looking them up. But I can say for a fact that that is not true. I had a discussion with my stick president one time because I had been thinking a lot about, well, my problem is I had been having a lot of issues with Joseph Smith because I had read some things in church history and other sources and some from writings from his contemporaries and I realized that there was, that he did a lot of things wrong, and I started to really question Joseph Smith. And then I found out that even though 
my church leaders told me that he only had one wife, and it was Emma Smith. And officially, the church had not admitted he had more wives. But I found out that he had over 30, and that several of them were underage, and several of them were married to other men at the time he married them. And even that, he sent one of the apostles, Orison Hyde, to the Holy Land, and while he was gone, he married his wife. And so I was having some serious doubts with Joseph Smith, and so I started doing an investigation and started reading into this. And that led me to reading everything I could get my hands on that Joseph Smith wrote and all of his sermons. Which, of course, led me to the King Follett Discourse. There is a couplet in the church that anyone who's familiar with the church or studied the church, and especially anyone who's grown up in the church, knows. And that is that as man is, God once was, and as God is, man may become. And that was the end taken, and Joseph Smith based uh, a lot of doctrine on that, including uh, a lot of what he put in the King Follett Discourse. Keep in mind that even though at this time when I was in the church, most members of the church knew that the church believed that you would people would, could become gods and would have their own planets and then populate their own planets and then they need a savior for their planet and, you know, the whole thing. Even though everybody actually knew that, very few uh, members would actually admit it. And if you were to ask them outright and you weren't a member of the church, they would say, no, no, we don't believe that. And there's a helicopter going by. And the thing is, the members of the church knew they believed that, or the, most of them did. Anyone who was knowledgeable knew they believed that, but they were outright lying about it because there is this thing in the church where they say that you shouldn't give people uh, meat before you do milk, and so they didn't want to tell people anything that would cause them to doubt the church. So, and I'm ashamed to admit that I have done that myself and told people uh, that we didn't believe that when I knew we did. In fact, in my defense, though, it was directly ordered from my mission president. I asked him, I said, President, what should I do when people ask if we believe that that we can become gods? And he said, tell them we don't believe it. And I said, but we do believe it, President. And he said, yes, we do. So, but back to where I was at. Uh, so, <clears throat> reading this King Follett discourse, and I got to thinking a lot about that, and I mean, I'd already knew this doctrine in the church, but I got thinking about it and really following it to his logical conclusion. I started asking my bishop questions, and he didn't know, so he referred me to my stake president. So I go to talk to my stake president and and uh, tell him my questions, and I said, so I wanted to ask you about this doctrine that as man is, God once was, and as God is, men may be. And he said, yes, that's true doctrine. And I said, okay, well, here's my problem with that. You follow that to its logical conclusion, that man, by following these rules, can become a god just the same way that our god did. And he said, yeah. And I said, so if you follow that to its logical conclusion, that we become a god the same way God became a god, 
then that means that he was not always God and that he was made a God by another God. My president, state president thought about it for a minute and said, yeah, I guess so. And I said, so my question is, if our God has a God, then why aren't we serving the ultimate God instead of a lower God? And he thought about that for a minute, and you can see the gears turning in his head, and he said, you know, Brother Curl, that's a really good question, and I don't have an answer for it. But what I can tell you is that if you keep asking questions like this, I'm going to be forced to excommunicate you. And I was quite shocked at his response, actually. Uh, I didn't expect him to threaten to excommunicate me for, for asking questions. And, of course, I kept investigating the church, but I didn't ask him any more questions or my bishop. And the reason that I left the church has absolutely nothing to do with anyone in the church offending me. The reason I left the church was simply because with all the research I did from the Bible, from church history, from other sources, from writings of the uh, early leaders of the church, including Brigham Young, I have discovered that there is no possible way that the church is true. And there is definitely no way that it is God's true church, because it is so diametrically opposed to what the Bible actually says. And other thing that got to really bother me, when I was doing all this research about Joseph Smith, I found out that there is more uh, than one First Vision account. And when I joined the church, I thought there was only this one first vision account where and that everybody knew it from the time the church was started turns out that nobody had ever even heard about this first vision account until long after joseph smith published a book of mormon so the first missionaries that went out converting people to the church didn't know anything about joseph smith seeing god all they knew about was the angel moroni coming to visit him well it turns out that there is actually a lot of different versions of the for, of the first vision none of which came out before the book mormon and some of them has him being visited by angels some of them have him being visited by jesus some of them have him being visited by jesus and angels and then the latest one has him being visited by the father and the son in separate bodies because as his doctrine evolved he had to change the story and the, the church says, well, it's that he forgot small details, and he, as he remembered, he had to correct it. But here's my big problem with that. Is that if something so significant happened, if God were to visit you, you would remember every little detail. I mean, he remembered, he could give you all kinds of details about his visit with Moroni, and but then his story about his first vision he had so many inconsistencies about it if something that significant happened in your life nobody's going to convince me that you would have forgot anything about that 
which is more likely that he just made the whole thing up because he had to have some plausible explanation for why he started the church in the first place. So the more I studied this, the more I realized why the church didn't want me to study it. And then it even bothered me more when I found statements from leaders such as Boyd K. Packard, and I've talked about this in previous episodes, but Boyd K. Packard said that the church historian has the tendency sometimes to teach everything about church history, whether it is faith-promoting or not. And he he discouraged them from doing that, and he said, not everything true is useful. But the thing is, what the thing I always told people when they were tell, getting upset with me for investigating the church is I said, truth can stand up to question. If they're afraid of what I'll find out, especially when I'm studying church, uh, actually church-approved sources, if they're afraid of what I'm going to find out, then they know there's something bad there. And it completely blew me away when I started, uh, after I left the church, but before I actually uh, became a born-again Christian, and I'd be driving a tour bus, and I'd have all these people, and there was this uh, youth pastor on there, and he's talking to the kids, and he told them, don't just believe everything I tell you. I want you to go to the Bible and read it for yourself and come up with your own conclusions, and I want you to go to sources outside of the church, outside of Christianity, and investigate some of these claims I'm making. And he said, and you will see that they support the Bible. And I thought about that and went, wow. Nobody in Mormonism would have ever in a million years encouraged the kids of the church to investigate what they actually said and to read it from external sources. Because, say, they know that they, what they're going to find is not faith-promoting, or at least not for the LDS faith. And so when anybody says that I'm anti-Mormon, that's not true. I am, I'm pro-Christian. And the reason that I reach out to Mormon people, and I know you don't, Mormons don't call themselves Mormon anymore because the current prophet, uh, Nelson, has said that they shouldn't call themselves Mormon, that they're, uh, and they're not to even call themselves Latter-day Saints. They're supposed to say that they're a, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and should never shorten the name of the Church. But the name Mormon was good enough for all of the Mormons before him, including Gordon B. Hinckley. Gordon B. Hinckley said he was proud to be called a Mormon, so I'm going to defer to him. But anyhow, uh, the reason... I love the people and I want to help them. And so I'm not anti-Mormon. I just want, I'm just uh, pro-Christian and I want to lead these people to Christianity. So if you are a Mormon or a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and you're listening to this, please know that I don't hate you. I don't dislike you. I'm not telling you these things uh, because I'm angry at the church. I'm telling you these things because I really wish that somebody had 
would have taken the time to share this with me when I was in the church or before I joined it. I mean, I probably wouldn't have listened right away. I would have been feeling exactly the way you're feeling right now, and I would have been upset and saying that they're ju- it's just anti-Mormon. But I promise you that I'm doing this because I love you and because I love Christ, and I want to share the message of Christ with everybody. And the message of Christ is not that we can, if we're good enough, that we can be God. The message of Christ is that none of us will ever measure up, and it's because of Christ and because of his grace that we're forgiven and that because of Christ we can go to heaven and that we can be forgiven for our sins. That's the good news. And I want to share that with everybody. So please know I don't hate you and I'm not, and I'm not doing this because I'm angry with the church. I'm doing this because I want to help you. And if you have any questions about the church and you don't know somebody to ask, I learned more about church history than almost anybody that I know. And if you have questions, I probably have an answer. And I would absolutely love it if you would reach out to me and ask those questions. And you can either contact me, uh, go to my website, genecurl.com, and go to the contact page, and you can send me a message directly. And I would love to hear from you. Or if you have left the church and you want to share your story, I would love to have you as a guest on my podcast as well. So thanks for listening, and I if do if you have questions, I highly encourage you to, to check it out and to read the Bible and take the Bible for face value, not through the lens of what anyone else says that you should get from it. Just read the Bible and take it at face value and go from there. Again, thanks for listening, and if you have any questions, please do contact me. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast. Please rate and review this show and share it with your friends and family. You are loved.